Usain Bolt sprinting ahead, winning by daylight. Give it to him. Give it to him. Boom, shakalaka. Hello and welcome to the very last edition of Hotline Rings, the 42's dedicated Olympic podcast. Thanks so much for joining us over the, the last few weeks. We've seen the good and the bad robes from Rio 2016. And today I thought we we're going to have a slightly longer podcast, maybe run a bit longer than you've been used to the last two or three weeks. Uh, we're joined on the line from Rio by both Niall Kelly and Sinead O'Carroll. Say hello. Hello. Good morning. And of course, uh, own Luke O'Callagh, who has stood in for me on when I've been taking the morning off. He's also going to join us as well. We're going to discuss, I suppose, the highs and lows from the games, maybe our favourite non-Irish moment, our new favourite sport, which is quite important, who was the standout athlete. And we're going to then, I suppose, try and summarise the Olympics. But we're going to start, I suppose, Niall, with yourself. And what was, I suppose, the the best highlight for you, either from an Irish or a non-Irish uh, perspective of, of the last few weeks? Uh, good morning again, yeah. I think from an Irish perspective, it's very hard to look past the medals. I mean, it's been a, it's been a wonderful Olympic. I think we've all been only bringing home two medals, but you've, if you get through the list, you have a rake of Irish athletes that overperformed. I listened to them off earlier today in a piece that I wrote, you know, you have Tom Barr, PB, fourth in an Olympic final. You have Scott Evans winning two games at the Olympics. You have Fanula McCormick, PB, 20th in the marathon. You have Sinead, Sinead Lynch and Claire, Claire Lamb, sixth in Olympic final. You had Natalia Coyle and Arthur Lanigan Keith, both top tens in the modern battle. Like, I could actually, I could keep going because you can work your way through the entire list of Irish athletes. And pretty much all of overperformance once you look outside the boxing ring. Like the boxing shouldn't colour everything. It really shouldn't. So you could really pick anything. But for me, I know I don't want to preempt what Sinead might say. I know she spends an awful lot of time with Annalise and the Murphys. Uh, so I, for me, it's probably the other one. I think they brought so much happiness to this Olympics, which has otherwise been a bit of a disgrace and a disaster in many respects for Ireland. It really, we managed to get roped in uh, scandal stuff. You know, we, we, we really shouldn't have nothing have to do with the athletes. Like, what are we, why are we even involved in these conversations? But they reminded us with, both the performance on the water down in Lagoa and the charm they brought to their interviews. I remember I was sitting a couple of days after they won their medal and I was in the media center and all of a sudden I could hear Ryle Nugent's voice. I said, I haven't seen Ryle Nugent. Where, 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 is, where, where is he after coming from? And I looked up. And, and I, I think, think it was Dennis Walsh from the Sunday Times sitting directly opposite me. And he kind of met my eye as if, did you just hear that? And the two of us kind of looked around. And what it was, was actually a couple of foreign journalists sitting about three seats down, playing the O'Donovan's interview with RTE. Hmm. And that was, that, they were, it wasn't the first or the last time 
I remember I read the Ringer uh, review of kind of the, the heroes of the Olympics landed in my inbox there the other day, and the O'Donovans were on, were on that as well. They, they, they fell in love. So I think for us, that was a moment that we can really rightly be proud of. Two lads who have dedicated everything. It came in a little bit under the radar, despite their goal at the European Champs, but they really... They never held back in their ambition. That was the one thing that impressed me most about them. I asked them immediately after why or when do they think that they can mix it with the elite, despite the fact that they've only been rowing together for two years. And they said as soon as they qualified at Worlds last year, 11th at Worlds, they said, we're going to win Olympic gold. And then they went out and did it. They did, okay, they came up just, just short behind the French, but, you know... To, go, to set that ambition and to go that close, to go within a half a second or whatever it was of winning gold is remarkable and a moment that we can be rightly proud of. And Sinead, you obviously did spend a lot of time with the Murphys. Is it safe to assume that that might be your personal highlight? Yeah, I was I was hoping that Niall wouldn't nick that one there off me. Um, I think, yeah, Niall teased up nicely. Four years in a day to when Annalise stood on Weymouth crying in front of Ortiz's cameras because she had just missed out the pain of finishing fourth, something she will know along with actually a handful of Irish athletes. But to actually come back and get that redemption is so rare, so rare for people who have come forth to make it through the next four years and actually land on the podium. It was probably my favorite moment was when her training partner, Zara Winter, about halfway through the race. And sailing is so difficult that anything can change at any second. But halfway through the race, Zara just, her whole demeanor relaxed. And she turned around to the whole crowd and said, she's doing this. And then from then on, my nerves went. I was like, right, she has a medal. And then it was about what color it was going to be. For a split second, we thought it might have been gold. Um, but then the silver was guaranteed, and that that was even a cherry on top of the on the icing because it wasn't just bronze; she was actually a silver medalist. Mm. And oh, Luke, we were obviously back in the office here in Dublin, but you know, we I suppose we got to experience a different point of view that than, than Niall and Sinead. But for you, what what was your personal highlight? Absolutely, yeah. I suppose, well, given that both uh, the medals are taken already, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was backing on the O'Donovan's myself, but uh, no, I, I suppose we did see a different side of it, really, and um, I know the, the boxing probably won't feature in many highlights, but I thought the way that, the, like, even when things weren't going well, the banter and stuff that Paddy Barnes and Mick Conlon were having on Twitter and online, it kind of, it, it gave something else to it, um, and kind of it was something away from the sporting side of it that I just thought that showed like that the same as the old Donovan brothers, that the Irish athletes were over there having a bit of crack. So like, I think even I, that, that, that was my kind of highlight, seeing the way the Irish guys carried themselves and I suppose represented Ireland really. Um, they just they really, did a really good job of it. So that, that was mine, I suppose. I think for me, it was a moment uh, when Thomas Barr was running in the, the 400 metre hurdles final and, the, the entire office just came to a standstill and, and everybody was gathered around the TV and it, it, it was Italian 90-esque and I know that's a cliche that's probably well overplayed but th- the country seemed to stop because here's our first finalist in 80 odd years 
And he runs a time that would have given him a medal in any of the last three Olympic Games. And he comes mm. off the track and he's not disappointed with fourth place because he realises he set a new national record. It's obviously a personal best. And there's more to come because this came on the back of possibly his worst ever season in terms of injury, in terms of performance. And to see an Irish sprinter be on the big stage like that and not not feel like he was under pressure, just run for the, the reason we all ran as kids, which is the pure enjoyment of the feeling of running as fast as you can, was just incredible. Yeah. And, and to get that performance out of it, I, you know, it'll take a lot of beating, even though it's not a medal and you don't win any prizes for, for fourth place. That, to me, was just such a standout moment. Conversely, I suppose, there was a lot of lowlights. Both, both Niall and own Luke have touched on it there. The boxing is obviously a place you can start with the lowlights. But Sinead, for you, what, what was the moment that kind of most let you down about Rio 2016? I guess, yeah, there's probably a list. And obviously, there's the OCI ticketing scandal. There's the boxing. But actually... The- the day that I probably felt the most deflated about sport and about what I was watching was a morning session in the athletics. It was the 10,000 metre women's final. Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about how little out of testing competition is being out of competition doping testing is being done in certain countries. And then we get to the 10,000 metre women's final. We see an incredible performance from Alma Zayana. She breaks the world record by 14 seconds. She's lapping people before the 5,000 metres. This is a woman who has never failed a drugs test. She has never been uh, questioned in terms of her of her records. But because of the cloud subsuming the whole games and because her country does not do out-of-competition testing, Nobody could celebrate it. Nobody could celebrate her achievements. Everyone was quite flat looking at this incredible feat being played out in front of us. And it just made me sad for athletics and made me really want the sport to fix itself, to tackle what's going on for WADA, to make sure that they have power to ensure that these countries test their competitors so that we can believe in what they're doing. And own Luke, was there was there anything in particular that stood out for you as being particularly disappointing? Yeah, um, I suppose my, like my highlight was the boxers. Uh, my lowlight was the boxing. Um, Mick Conlon in particular, that fight. I I know he just I I hadn't really bought into the whole. A lot of people saying, yeah, no, I can't take the Olympics seriously. It's you don't know who's on what and all that. I hadn't really kind of gotten to that stage. But then I just I saw that and I was like, well, sure, what like. Why are they over there if they're winning fit on like by the rules and they're not actually getting the results? Uh, what's like what are we actually looking at? So that and that that makes with I suppose Michael O'Reilly as well. Um, now obviously like there's still kind of a few questions to be answered there, but to see I know one of our own really get disqualified um, for failing a drug test, it was just really kind of disheartening um and it's kind of it's something you might see in other countries or like you, you wouldn't expect it from team ireland really and that was kind of another low light for, for me so and for you now yeah i think i'd be very similar to own luke i think what really upset me the most about the michael conlon thing rather than the michael o'reilly drug test was you can really for better or worse you can write off the michael o'reilly incident as stupidity by an, an individual. You can't write off the Michael Conlon 
as anything of the sort. It, that that's it goes to the very heart of what the sport and why everybody is there, and really clouds your whole reason for wanting to be here and an athlete's reason for giving four years of their life. Like your heart broke for Michael Conlon when he was walking out of that ring because he was after paying for his family to come over and Michael Conlon is working off state grants. I wouldn't say he's a rich man by any stretch of the imagination, but he was after paying for his partner and his child and his family to come out here. He really believed, like he was standing there and he has the Olympic rings tattooed on his stomach and you're kind of just thinking, what's this all for? You give four years of your life, you put everything else on a hold, and when you get there, you put in the performance you can. And because of whatever reason and whatever we want to allege or call it, but you're not getting the result that you merited. Like, he should be a two-time Olympic medalist now at the very minimum. Mm. He won that fight. Yeah. He denied that, or they denied us what would have been an unbelievable 48 hours of building up to Michael Conlon versus Shakur Stevenson, the 19-year-old American, Ireland versus Billy Walsh, head-to-head in the ring. And, you know, Michael will believe he could have went on full well and won that gold. It was a, it was a brutal final, Shakur and mm. uh, Rebasi Ramirez from Kiraz. Like, it was an absolute war. Brilliant mm. to watch. And no guarantee that he would have won that. But he would believe that he could have. And it's just an, an absolute crime that his, his dream was taken away from him in the means that it was. Yeah, and obviously the boxing has come up quite a lot. There, there was so many moments, I suppose, lowlights you could choose from. There's, there's positive tests. There's allegations of cheating. I think... To me, the most distressing thing I saw in the Olympics was Johan Dines, the the French 50k walker who was who was leading the race and was clearly suffering more than any athlete should probably suffer. And instead of getting a lot of sympathy, there was an awful lot of people, I suppose, taking the piss out of him for want of a better word. And it it was distressing from a a fan's point of view, I guess, to to see the officials not step in and for his own mm. sake pull him out of the race. Um, People will argue it's the Olympic spirit. He went on and finished, even though he knew he wasn't going to to win a medal. But you know, at the end of the day, it's 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 just sport and your long term health and and the consequences of that. You know, for taking risks like that for someone who was clearly unwell. I think that that to me, coupled with what can only be described as the the North Korea state TV esque coverage from the BBC, which I suppose Sinead and Niall at least in Rio didn't have to endure, but. Jesus lads, if we're ever if we're ever get like that, can you someone please stop us because it was it was horrendous. Um you know do you think, well, Steve, can... sorry, do you think Steve that uh that's something that's perceived among the wider population as well, or is it just something that you notice as a media person? Uh that's a good question. Um I think talking to my friends, I think they they would rather watch you know, RTE's coverage than BBC's coverage, especially when Team GB athletes are competing. But it, it's this sense of, I suppose, if if 
if non-GB athletes put in some of the performances that some of the GB athletes put in, I think there'd be more questions than you'll ever get on the BBC, which for an outlet that is supposed to be impartial, is supposed to be... Uh, I, I don't know what the word is, but, you know... We, Look at the non-mentions, I suppose, of, of Mo Farah and his relationship with Alberto Salazar. Even when uh, Centrovic won the hundred and, or the fifteen hundred meters the other night, very, very brief mention of Salazar's relationship with him because of the fear that it might taint Mo Farah. And again, Mo Farah has no questions to answer, but there is a relationship with the Oregon Project and, and Mo Farah, and there's links between Alberto Salazar and maybe not a hundred percent perfect practices when preparing athletes so mm. yeah it, it, it's that kind of thing you'd you'd just hope that you don't become a cheerleader and and to an extent that i think that if you know an irish athlete had had questions over them or if there was a a performance in a certain way that you know didn't sit right um they, they'd get grief for it the way the bbc won't give them grief i mean lindsay sharp let's I'm, i don't mean to go on here but lindsay sharp after caster semenya won the 800 meters said it's not fair to be running against lindsay or against caster semenya she finished sixth what's her excuse for coming behind the other four like uh, and the bbc instead of like questioning her about that they were sympathetic to her and they were saying oh well you understand your frustrations like that's that's not journalism and that's not broadcasting that's yeah. literally just cheerleading do you think part of that is the problem when you hire former professionals to front your coverage? Uh, I don't think that's fair because I think David Gillick on RTE did a very, very good job in, in terms of how he was covering either the disappointment or the achievements of the Irish athletes, particularly on the track. That's, yeah, I, again, I didn't see David's coverage, but I did see a lot of the comments going his way. And Yeah. And one of actually my highlights was when David Gillick thought he knew me because I was a runner, which actually <laughs> probably did feature on, on my, as, as my highlight of the Olympics. Right. But nope. I actually met some Brit British what? journalists here who were talking after Mo Farah's 10,000 metre win. And they had they were talking about BBCs and that they had wanted to differentiate themselves a little bit from what BBC were doing. These were print journalists. Mm. And so a couple of them were making small changes to their copy. Like they weren't calling him Mo anymore. They were mm. calling him Farah. They were putting a paragraph at the end of each piece about Zalazar mm. and the various stories and, and various details about the Oregon project. So I think there is a bit of an awareness among the British media community as well. Yeah. I think I'm going to ban anyone from saying Usain Bolt and his nine gold medals in, in total. <laughs> but in terms of your favourite Irish moment, I'll start with you again, Niall. I mean, what, what, what really stood out for you? Irish or international? Oh, sorry, non-Irish. Sorry, Irish, non-Irish moment. That's okay. I, thought, I, I think we've mined the <laughs> Irish moment at this point. I will take the night that I had at the swimming pool. I only made it down to the pool one night, but it was the night that Phelps won two Olympic golds. Uh, he won the 200 fly, and he won one of the relay golds, and Katie Ledecky won the 100 free. Was a hundred free or two hundred free? Um, but essentially, it was two hundred frees for Ledecky. Sorry, but it was just they were two of the most gripping races I have seen. I happened to be sitting at one end of the pool, the pool kind of the far end of the away from the finish line. But it meant that it as Phelps and Chad Leclose went head-to-head -head in that final 50. Like, there was nothing between them at the turn as they turned in front of me. And you could see Chad Leclerc, you could nearly see the muscles popping out of his back 
as he tried to close the gap and he just kept looking over. There's that wonderful picture of him turning to breathe and fixing his gaze on Feltz a little bit ahead of him, just, you know, six inches, a foot ahead of him, and realizing, like, his eyes, you, you can't see them beneath the goggles, but you can only presume that his eyes are wide open, and he's thinking, what do I need to do to reel this man in? And eventually he couldn't, he completely emptied himself in the first 25 or 30 of those metres, and ended up being beaten into fourth, didn't even get a medal in that race, so... I, it was just a brilliant conclusion to what has been a great rivalry between two formal friends, now two strong enemies. Yeah. And then to have that followed up moments later with Katie Ledecky and Sarah Eustam. It was... I mean, Katie Ledecky has been the dominant force in the pool. I don't think... Maybe Simone Biles is the only other person who has been as dominant as this at, at this Olympics. Well, the great thing here was Katie Ledecky was put to the pin of her collar. She was up against probably the best sprinter, best female sprinter in the game at the moment. And she was still good enough. She was still able to hold her off. And again, as she was came at her again and again and again, that was a she... Ledecky had enough and like she said afterwards she nearly threw up and that, that just shows how much she had to give a very different kind of win from the processions that we saw in her in the longer distance but one that was much more rewarding to watch I think from a spectator point of view yeah. and Sinead same question to you um, I think for me I think we've talked before about uh, my admiration for Jessica Ennis-Hill and then Super Saturday, or what was called Super Saturday the last time, they were hoping, Team GB were hoping for a repeat. It didn't happen for them, but it was a brilliant competition. And um, we had the youngster at the end going up against Jessica Ennisale. The, the last, it went down to the last race. She had to be, beat her by nine point something seconds. And Ennis Hill put everything into it. You could see the absolute determination for her to keep that gold. She was just short of it. But she got a season's best. TM was absolutely brilliant throughout the whole. And I think the heptathlon is it is my favourite track and field event. I feel like it's the cleanest of the sports. It's the, it's the most rounded. The competitors are fierce rivals, but also have this community as well. They do the lap of honour all together at the end of the competition. It's a really special moment, I think, at every Olympics. And, and this one was no different. And I think the pain of... Jessica Ennis Hill losing that medal but doing it so graciously and now obviously she'll have to think about retirement so it's a shame that she didn't go out on, on the very top for a game but I think handing over the head top on to someone as talented as TM as well is, is, is pretty impressive. And of course, the the Haptathlon contains the the best Twitter bio of anyone at the Olympics from Katrina Johnson Thompson, who says from both her surname and her choice of sport that she's professionally indecisive. Oh, Luke, what <laughs> <laughs> what was your favourite uh, non Irish moment, on Luke? Um, I'm gonna go back to the pool as well for my one, but it was kind of. I suppose one of the smaller stories, and um, it was Joseph Schooling from Singapore who won Singapore's first gold medal in the 100 metres butterfly, I think it was. And 
basically, well, after after he won, photos started showing up of himself and Michael Phelps back in 2008 when schooling was, I'd say, about 14, 15, and just kind of getting a photo with Phelps as a fan. And then in this year in the 100 metres uh, butterfly, he bet Michael Phelps to win the gold medal. And I just I thought that was kind of, it was a really nice story. Um, it kind of shows like there was background to it, and it being uh, Singapore's very first gold medal as well. It was just uh, it was a really nice story. So I think that was my favorite non-Irish moment, and it, like it included some of the top athletes in Rio as well because uh, Michael Phelps and Chad Leclos both came joined second in that race with uh, Laszlo Kset from Hungary. But um, it was yeah, it was just kind of it was a really nice story, and that was probably my favorite non-Irish moment excellent mine is actually from the women's 5000 meters when Nikki Hamlin from New Zealand basically gave up the chance of a medal uh, to pick her US uh, US athlete Nikki Hamlin sorry there's her name couldn't remember it uh, off the ground instead of going on to to win the race after the pair became entangled and even after uh, D'Agostino kind of encouraged her to keep running she stopped and she waited until the wheelchair came to to take the stricken runner off the track and it was just incredible and to be fair to the IOC they've they've now decided to award the New, Ze- the New Zealander with the prestigious Pierre de Coubertin medal uh, which has only been awarded I think 15 or 16 times maybe 17 times in Olympic history so it just goes to show that you know they talk about Olympic spirit all the time but usually when people get there it's all about getting across the line as quick as you can or, or, or lifting as much as you can but but for Hamblin it was about compassion for a fellow athlete and at the end of the day it is just sport and it was great to see that that she put that ahead of individual glory so for me yeah Nikki Hamblin for for what she did uh, in in the fight, women's 5000 meters We'll quickly, I suppose, move on to what really, really does make the Olympics, which is suddenly finding you're an expert in a sport you knew nothing about (laughs) 20 minutes ago. Uh, I'm going to start with myself here, and I'm going to start with the synchronized diving, because as I was sitting on the couch uh, stuffing my face with Pringles, I suddenly realized just, you know, I knew so much about diving that I never knew before, uh, which was, it's impressive how you can convince yourself that you're an expert. Uh, but I think from, from an Irish point of view, obviously, Oliver Dingley's own performance in the individual three-meter diving helped things. But by that stage, people were kind of a little bit obsessed with it because there's so much goes into it from the, the synchronization to the, the difficulty of the dive itself to, to just how much splash they generate on entry. And, and, and it's amazing that the judges, I suppose, take their decisions without any benefit of replay, whereas, you know, we get to see the, the, every sort of um, frame from the slow motion replay. And we got to see the pool turn green, which was exciting for a while as well. And, you know, diving for me was probably my new favourite sport that I'll forget about in two weeks' time and then remember by the time we come around to Tokyo. Uh, Sinead. Steve, you stole, you, st- you stole mine one, Steve. Oh, I'm so sorry, Sinead. Uh, <laughs> That's okay, because uh, I, I was going to just, because uh, I was at the 10-metre synchro um, and the Chinese are so far ahead of everybody. So it's kind of interesting seeing everyone else battle it out for silver and bronze. That's kind of what they say about Simone Biles in the gym as well. But that day... I just realized how good a spectator sport is to watch. It's an hour and 15 minutes. You get eight teams doing six dives each, and it's bam, 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 bam. It's an incredible spectator sport. Absolutely. And Niall? I 
probably I, I was going to chip in diving as well there because I was yeah, out for Jamie's night and I was kind of assessing dive tariffs to see if he was in the chance for a mix or a medal. But no, I think for me, something that I didn't get it, but something that you couldn't hide from here was the beach volleyball. Just Brazil is a nation that is in love with beach volleyball, maybe secondary to football. It's absolutely fascinating. And I don't know, it was great to see their pair of Alison and Bruno Schmidt win the gold medal in the men's on Thursday night or whenever it was against Italy. Just the sheer elation. Like, the beach volleyball is one of the few venues that has no problem selling out tickets. There were very few empty seats there for most of the days. And, you know, it was just... Like, the, the passion, as soon as the final, the final point dropped, the two lads were up in the stands in tears with their families. And, you know, sensational, sensational drama. It was probably the most beautiful of all the venues as well. On Copacabana Beach, you could the camera shot you could see out into the sea behind us, and yeah, I think just for something that I will never watch again <laughs> until Tokyo, it just provided spectacular, fascinating entertainment. And for you, Anuk, um, as much as I tried to get into the horse dance and it just it didn't really do it for me. Um, but I think I what I watched a good bit of the field hockey with the the Irish guys in it, and I I kind of started really enjoying it. And I've never really watched hockey properly before, but um, we met a few of the Irish team before they went out a few weeks ago, and like they're they're good crack, they're, they're nice guys, and I suppose the the team spirit they had and everything just made it really easy to watch and easy to get behind. So um, yeah, like the I I really enjoyed watching the field hockey, and I might even now that. I understand it a bit more. Might watch a bit of it uh, if if I can find the time. Um, now that they're all back and back go back to their professional leagues. Yeah, they've been brilliant here. Actually, once they finished, mm. I've seen them around at venues supporting other Team Ireland out on nights out, making sure that they're 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 bringing that team spirit across to all the other individual athletes who aren't used to it. Exactly, so they've like definitely the, been a massive addition to Team Ireland. Yeah, they, they went to Scott Evans badminton and they all took off their shirts as well, just kind of in, in support of him. Like they're they're just genuinely nice down to earth guys. Yeah, I think that guys, just yeah. adds something to it as well. They're really easy to get behind. So yeah, that, that was the one for me, the field hockey. And I'd just like to apologise to the forty two seven dressage enthusiasts. Those comments do not necessarily reflect those. I mean, can we have a word for Santana Smooth Horse? <laughs> that was incredible. But- one of the things I noticed from home, text messages I was getting from, from people who knew I was here, most interest was in the gymnastics. People kept texting me, are you there for that? Are you there for that? And then the modern pentathlon. People seem to really get into that over the last few mm. days. Yeah, I think they've made a few changes to that, and it's really made us a much more spectator-friendly sport. It's just... It, like, I was there. I went out on Friday night for Natalia Coyle's final the run shoot, and it's so dramatic. It really is like when they, as they came into that final shoot, and the Polish athlete had a pretty considerable lead, and then just couldn't get her shots off. And the Australian, who, whose name I can't remember, I'm sorry, came from absolutely nowhere and emptied herself again. 
the final 800 to get to the line and win. You could kind of see she had enough of a lead, but I don't think she knew she had enough of a lead. And she kind of kept looking back nervously over her shoulder. <laughs> and there was an Australian journalist behind me, and he just kept muttering to himself, Stop, Stop looking back. back. Stop <laughs> looking back. And it was, I, ah, it was great. I, th- I think on the, the modern pentathlon, when I was watching it at home here, I was just thinking it's probably the closest thing that you can get to an Olympic version of Gladiators because <laughs> the, the, the format and everything is just very All similar. Oh, it's John Anderson. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, the, the, there's a Twitter artist, I think it's at Twisted Doodles, and she had this great illustration of the four and a half year old that came up with the modern pentathlon. Because it's like, <laughs> and then I was on a horse and I had a sword and I was shooting. <laughs> That's really what it is, I suppose. It probably looks like if you were going to take up one, it probably looks like the most fun to take up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're running kind of a little bit long here but i suppose quickly um and you know you're welcome to say usain bolt here uh only for you who was who was the standout athlete or team of rio 2016 um yeah i think it's hard to look further than bolt really um i suppose it's the end of his olympic career or so he reckons anyway so he's saying but yeah he really just he looked like the complete athlete in Rio he was always just he looked comfortable he was relaxed everything and like the, I think the, the best thing is he's been clean so far anyway hopefully uh, he, he is completely clean as well so it's just he's he's a great ambassador for athletics um, everybody was looking forward to seeing him and he delivered and made it look fun and then there was that video of him trying out the javelin and stuff as well I think for me, Usain Bolt, you just you can't look further than him because he's just he he is the Olympics. He's like he's a poster boy for it, and he, I I'll always associate him with the Olympic Games anyway. Sinead, I'm going to ask you to look further than Usain Bolt if you can. For <laughs> <laughs> uh, me, for me, it was someone Biles. I think she came in with the pressure of having to prove that she was the best athlete, uh, best gymnast of all time, and she did that. She she didn't get all gold, but but she she did as far as as much as she could, and she was so impressive. And doing it with just this brilliant personality as well, which does so much for a sport. She's probably the most watched athlete in the US over the Olympics, and she's doing it all as a 19-year-old. So impressive. And Niall. For most of the reasons that I've already outlined, it's Katie Ledecky for me. Absolutely phenomenal stuff. And my one wish for her and for the Olympic Games is that this isn't kind of a one and done. I know she was in London and she won a medal, but this was always going to be her Olympics. This was going to be her big moment of dominance. And I just hope that she doesn't tail off in the way we've seen a lot of other swimmers tail off as their careers get into their 20s. I hope that she's able to dominate world champs and come back in Tokyo in four years' time and dominate again. Uh, for me, it's the Brazilian police, but for legal <laughs> reasons, I can't actually go into why it's the Brazilian police. But I will now very, very quickly, and I suppose very, very with great difficulty, ask each one of you, uh, so Niall, Sinead, and then on Luke, to sum up the Olympics in just one word. Uh, exhausting. 
Sinead? Uh, insane. And Owen Luke? Ah, uh, dramatic. And I'll go for over because I'm a dad and I make dad jokes. So, <laughs> so that's it from Hotline Rings. Thanks a million to Niall and Sinead for joining us from Rio. You're, I suppose, both going to take some time off, I assume, and, and maybe do some traveling? We're well, at the mercy of the Brazilian courts. Brazilian police again. <laughs> those guys uh, thanks to own Luke for joining us today as well and, and of course thanks a million uh, you've been listening to us in your thousands over the last few weeks and it, it, every one of you is very much appreciated I've been Steve O'Rourke and for the very last time this has been Hotline Rings Usain Bolt spreading ahead winning by daylight give it to him give it to him boom shakalaka Jesse Taylor Jesse Taylor's up below. Jump in the bow like a champion Olympic picture.